Does anybody know what Solomon means, by the way? My son Solomon. Solomon means peace. Right? It comes from the Shalom Solomon. And actually, Jerusalem means city of peace. It's also connected to Jerusalem. It's pretty neat, eh? All right. There's some nuggets. Okay, so Genesis 1. Does anybody know Genesis 1, how there's a prophecy of peace built into that? Okay, well, I'll tell you. I can find what I'm looking for. All right, and God saw that everything he had made, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and it was evening morning, the sixth day. So it's actually chapter 2. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God had created and made. So in six days, he creates the whole world, right? It's work. Things are changing in the world, etc. You see it go from a ball of water without form to being masses of land on over the waters and all sorts of things are happening. It's kind of chaotic, but very in, in God's order. So that kind of sounded weird, but it's to us. Lots of stuff going on, right? There's division built into it. So there's just a lot of things going on there. And at the end of all of that, there's rest. There's rest. Now, rest is a word that I just cannot take away from peace. They are together. From the very start of this study, the, the word rest came up to me. So I think that's our very first prophetic understanding that God is going to build or he's preparing rest for us. Now, Jesus is called Lord of the Sabbath. Sabbath is rest. Do you remember what Jesus said that the Sabbath was for? It was for man. God created the Sabbath for man. And the Sabbath is on the seventh day. Just like he created the world as a platform or a, a foundation for us to understand what God's plan is, so too we're going to be looking forward to the Sabbath, to his rest. Now, do you guys remember what a day unto the Lord is? It's a thousand years. 2 Peter 3, 8, which I'll read. Because scripture is so good to read. I was actually hoping to be able to talk about this when we get to Second Peter, but we'll talk about it right now. Oh, I couldn't find it. Uh, can you read uh, eight, uh, seven, eight, and nine? I think. Okay. 
But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto the unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And 10, please. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Thank you. Uh, it's 2 Peter 3, 8-10. So, creation week takes place in six literal days. Every day there is evening and morning was the first day, the second day, etc. But it's a model, or a scale model, of our creation timeline. How long ago was creation? 6,000 years ago. See how that works? A day for every thousand years? Notice how it says that a day unto the Lord. And what is the day called? The great and notable day of the Lord. See how that works? Do you see the connection? But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord. So God gave us a foreshadow. You know, when you're reading stories, you're in English class and you're studying books, they're always looking at what's the foreshadow at the beginning that's going to tell us the end before the end happens. And that's what God did in the very beginning of our book, of the Bible. Isn't that amazing? And he promises rest. Do you notice what happens before rest? There's all ungodly men and the day of judgment and all this stuff that's happening before the rest. Now Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. But when Jesus came the first time, did he make peace on earth? No. But what did he do that brought peace to us? Yeah, he reconciled us through his death and through his shedding of his blood. He is truly the Prince of Peace because he reconciled us to God. And now we can have peace with God. So we can have peace with God and we can have peace for eternity, but that's not here yet. It's interesting how, if you look in the Old Testament, there's partial fulfillment of, of, uh, of prophecy. There's prophecies, and there's these partial fulfillments, but they're not quite fully fulfilled. Maybe even Jesus, when he was reading from the book of Isaiah, he read from Isaiah 61, he gets partway through and just stops. doesn't finish. And that's a, an example of the rest of the verse, the rest of the verses that he didn't read are yet to come, right? Which included judgment and then included rec restoration, okay? So I just thought it was very profound that God established the world with a promise that he's going to provide us rest. 
And that is through who? Jesus. Is there any other way to get peace in your life? There is none other but by the name of Jesus Christ. You cannot get peace in your life without being in Christ. You can have turmoil. You can have vexation being in this world. Remember Lot, righteous Lot. He's in Sodom, and he's being vexed. He lost everything he had, and he's vexed by all the sin so far that he he was willing to give his daughters. That's how far they pushed him. The Bible calls him righteous. He was vexed in this world. Are we not vexed often in this world when you see so much sin, so much pain, and it's just it, it can push you to making some decisions you shouldn't be too. And we're here vexed like Lot. But guess what? Jesus is coming back to take us out of Sodom and Egypt. That's what it says in Revelation 11. He's going to take us out of here. And he's going to give us rest. There's a thousand years of rest between when Satan gets thrown into hell and then brought out for a little time. That thousand years is a... Yeah, and it's a millennium, and it's a day, right? A capital D day. Okay, so it's the Sabbath. And then... What's really great is after that, after Satan gets cast into the lake of fire in Revelation 20, we have eternity to be with the Lord in rest. Eternity. After that, we're not going to count the days anymore. We get to be with our Lord. So right now, if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ and trusted him for your salvation, you're really not going to have peace. And when the world vexes you, there will not be an opportunity for you to find peace. If you trust in Jesus Christ, and he lives inside you, he abides in you, and you abide in him, then you can have peace even when everything around you is vexation, is tribulation, is sorrow, And even more so, because you have hope, which was the candle before. Because we have a hope that looks forward to the coming of Jesus. And because of that hope, because of that hope, we can have joy and we can be at peace. And we can rest in him. Jesus is our rest. The Israelites had to keep a physical day of rest. Sabbath, no servile work. And when you're a believer in Jesus Christ and he abides in you, he is your rest. And the ultimate fulfillment of the Sabbath is that day when we are with him, when he is reigning here on earth, keeping peace. King Solomon had a promise. David was the one who received the promise. God said, I will take care of your son and his life will be one, his reign will be one of peace. And Solomon's reign was peace. He was not the perfect guy. We know that from scripture. But his reign had peace. His life, his reign, represents that time when Jesus comes again to reign here on earth for a thousand years. And what was Solomon's name again? Peace. Right? 
First, you have David. David is called a bloody man. And when Jesus first came, he shed his blood to make peace between God and man. But he couldn't build the temple, could he? Solomon did. He built the temple. And that's what Jesus is doing right now. He's building his temple. And there's going to be peace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. I pray that everyone here would would have a relationship with you and that they trust you for their salvation, that they they herald you, they, they worship you as Lord of their lives. They submit their lives to you. And not only those who are just here in this building, but those who listen. And Lord, empower us to take the message, the good news, the gospel, to our neighbors, and to those who we work with, to those who are on the streets, to those who are in our colleges and school. Help us to go out and and tell each of these people in love the gospel, the truth, that they need you, that they need to repent of that sin that's in their lives, and that they need to have faith that you came to die for them, and that you're coming again, that if they have that faith, they can go home with you. We look forward to that day when you come. Thank you in Jesus' name, your name. Amen.